thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. Today, I want to talk about the God who hears us. In other words, it's time to pray. It's time for you and I to do something that the Scripture speaks very directly to, and that is about prayer. And I want to ask you a question today. And again, this is, this is a family message. I'm just going to shoot straight with you today. If you were to give yourself a grade on your personal prayer life, what grade would you give yourself? You don't have to say it out loud. I'm just asking you, you know. Or, or maybe, maybe this way. If you were to, to on the scale between 1 and 10... One being you, you never pray, 10 being you pray every day, what would you give yourself? Just, just put the number in your head for a moment. I, I believe that God wants us to engage with him in a more significant way than we ever have ever in our life coming into 2018. I want to read you something from a Christian author's Dr. S.D. Gordon. He had a significant impact on the, on, the, on the church in the early 1900s. And he wrote this book called, and this is a portion out of the book called Quiet Talks on Prayer. He says, the greatest thing we can do for God and man is to pray. It's not the only thing, but it is the chief thing. The great people of the earth are the people who pray. I don't mean those who talk about prayer, nor those who say they believe in prayer, nor, nor yet those who can explain or teach about prayer, but I mean those who actually take time and pray. They have not the time, but they have to take it from somewhere else. It is wholly a secret service. I often think that sometimes we pass by some plain-looking woman quietly slipping out of church when we hardly give her a passing thought and we do not know or guess that she is the one who is doing more for her church and for, and for the world she lives in and for God than hundreds of others who claim to do more but just attend. Why? Because she prays. Truly prays as the Spirit of God gives her guidance. And so I want to look at some incredible principles today, powerful principles from a great Old Testament hero whose name is Daniel. And I believe you're going to be inspired. I believe you're going to be challenged. I believe it's going to help us over the next 21 days guide our prayers. Because I just don't want to pray. I want to have effective prayer that moves things forward when it comes to the kingdom of God for your personal life and for our national world that we live in. So there's so much in this book of Daniel. And eventually I'm going to do a series on the book of Daniel. But today we're just going to be in Daniel chapter 9. And so we're going to be looking at how Daniel teaches us how to pray. Actually, just not how to pray, how to have effective prayer and how God answered that. So before we get into chapter 9, if you have your Bibles, you can open to them. If not, you can just open your phones or we're going to have the scriptures up here on the screen. But something to realize before we get into Daniel chapter 9, because he's writing this chapter, Daniel is no longer a young whippersnapper. He is 85 years old. And so he had been led away as a prisoner of war, along with the Israelites, when he was 15. He's been through the ringer. He's been through multiple tests. He's lived in a foreign land. But God kept promoting Daniel and, like, giving him favor with this king to another king and to another king. And so this, when we come to chapter 9, he served under three kings and had positions of authority and influence. And so here he is, and Daniel wants God to do something. In his life and in his people's lives. He looks around and he sees the situation that they're in. And he takes and he, and he recognizes for a moment, I've got to do something. I've got to do something. I, I, actually, I just, um, I just watched this movie, Sully, which is this amazing um, story about this, a pilot who, who uh, he takes off from LaGuardia and he gets up and his engines go out. And at this moment, he's got to make a decision. He looks around, engines are gone, and in, and in, the, in the recording, all he says was this, birds. In other words, uh-oh. And he responds. He can go back to the airport, or he has another decision, or I can land in the Hudson. And he actually, he makes a decision at that moment to land in the Hudson, and he gets ridiculed, and everyone kind of comes against him. They say, you should have went back, you shouldn't have landed in the Hudson, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have done that, but... 
What he does is after they run all the simulation, they actually find out he made the right choice. But he has to make a decision in the midst of problems, in the midst of pain, in the midst of question, what am I going to do? And he made the decision, I'm going to do something that's going to save the people on this plane. Many times in our lives, we're faced with all kinds of trials, all kinds of troubles, all kinds of, and we have to make a decision. Right now, today in 2018, what are we going to do? Are we going to do something that's actually not going to work? Or are we going to do something that is going to save and, and do something in our lives and our, and our nation's life, which is what we call prayer? And I believe God is showing us how to do this through this book in, in Daniel. So, so Daniel looks around, and he recognizes, like, birds, like there's a problem. And he says, I'm going to pray. And he recognized that, that God has more for his people, and God has more for himself, and he begins to pray. So could, many of us could make the same observations in our life, in our church, in our city. There are issues. There are problems. There are things that every single one of there's brokenness in all of our lives. And here's the question, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to do the same thing you did in 2017 that you're like, I didn't pray and nothing happened. But I'm going to try to do the same thing and not pray in 2018 and hope something happened. That's actually called the definition of insanity. Doing the same thing but believing you're going to get a different result. And so God wants us, to, God wants to move on your behalf. He wants to change your life. So he's inviting us into something that's very powerful. And so what Daniel knows, before we read Daniel chapter 9, is that God has promised to take the Israelites back to their land, back to Jerusalem. He, Daniel is broken. He's burdened. His, his desire is that God's will would be done for the Israelites. They've been taken away. They've been taken captive. Matter of fact, he's actually, he, he's, he's reading from Jeremiah, which we're going to read in just a moment. Jeremiah was the one who told the Israelites, if you don't line your life up with, with the way God wants it, you're going to be taken away. And then guess what? They were taken away. And so now they go into captivity, they're in Babylon, and now Daniel is recognizing there are things God wants to bring these people back to their promises, just like in your life. You have promises in your life that God wants to fulfill for you. He wants them. He has them for you. He's maybe spoken them over you. They're in Scripture. And here's the question, how are we going to access them? Daniel recognizes we need to do something about this. So Daniel begins to pray in Daniel chapter 9. And God has a purpose and a plan for your life and for the Israelites. And so I'm just going to get straight into this. I'm going to talk to you about principles for effective prayer coming from Daniel chapter 9. And the first thing that Daniel teaches us about effective prayer is this, to let your prayers be guided by the Bible. Let your prayers be guided by the Bible. This is very, very important, especially in a culture where we are guided by everything else so many times except the actual Bible. We're guided by our emotions. We're guided by the latest teaching that's coming out of some other place. We're guided by all kinds of stuff. And let's do this, and let's do that, and let's, th listen, how about this? Let's be guided by the Bible. This is what Daniel shows us today. And this is what, this is what we read in Daniel chapter 9, verse 2. So coming out of the gate, he says, I, Daniel, understand from the Scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet. So he's reading from Jeremiah. That... The desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So he's, he's sitting there thinking, wait a minute, it's 70 years. So Jerusalem has been without its people for almost 70 years. The Israelites have been taken out of the land almost 70 years ago. Matter of fact, it is year 67. So in three years, in three years, this promise is supposed to come true. Daniel was reading Jeremiah. How does he know this? Jeremiah 29 which we quote a lot, a lot of times in a different context. But the context of Jeremiah 20, 29 um, is about the Israelites coming back into their land. And this is what Daniel read. He says, when, so Jeremiah writes this, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you, speaking, I will come to the, to the children of Israel and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. And this is the promise that, that Daniel was reading. So he goes, wait a minute, we're three years away. We're three years away from God fulfilling his promise. 
Now, this is the remarkable thing. Daniel understood the word of God. He understood that when this word says something, it actually means it. He, lit, he took the word of God literally. And so he knows it's been 67 years and they need to, they're going to be returning in three years. But this is what Daniel re recognizes. And, and see if this connects with any of us today. He realized that they are not spiritually prepared to go back or to inherit the promise that God's given them. So he's driven to his knees from reading and understanding the scripture. And many times I believe what keeps us from fulfilling the promise that God has for our lives is that we haven't prepared for God's promise. We know it's there. We know he said it. We've read it. But we haven't prepared. We just, we just kind of just chilled out. And we really haven't grown in any spiritual area of our life. And we're just hoping one day it's going to come. And boom, there it's going to be. But the question is, are we prepared to walk in the, into the promise that God has for us. And something to understand about prayer is that the Bible is full of promises for you. It's full of promises for your family. It's full of promises for us as a church, us as a nation, us as a city. It's full of these promises that God's already said. Here's, here's, here's the reality. We need to be able to move forward and do something to claim those promises. And what prayer does is we come alongside what God has already spoken and promised us in Scripture. And so prayer is not trying to, to convince our, our reluctant God who's just, who, he's, he's like, you know, he's playing cat and mouse and he's always hiding. And once we think we, hide, we find him, his promise, it goes somewhere else. It's not trying to, to convince a reluctant God who's just, I don't know if I want to do that for you or not. I, I don't know. I, don't, I, don't, I just don't feel very good today. Or I just woke up on the wrong side of the bed. I haven't had my coffee yet. Don't, don't mess with me. That's what we think God is. He's this reluctant person. But really, prayer is not about convincing a reluctant God. It's about taking hold of his willingness to hear us, to answer us, and to come through with his promises. So here's the kicker, though, about this whole thing. You cannot pray according to to God's will or take hold of his promises for your life and for the city and the nation you live in without knowing God's will and his promises for your life and the city and the nation in which you live in. So as we come to 2018, I want to encourage you, here's, here's my challenge to you, to read the Bible every single day so that you can know what to pray or listen to the Bible every single day. Again, this is not about quantity. This isn't about you, you reading, you know, I've got to read seven chapters a day. If you can do that, that's great. But this is about quality. Spend time with God in his word every single day of your life. If it's five minutes, let it be five minutes of good time. If it's three scriptures, read three scriptures and stop and read them and systematically work your way through a book. Work your way through several books, whatever that may be. But engage with the Word of God every day. Think about it. Learn what it says. Apply it to your life because you cannot know God's promises or His will without knowing God's promises or His will through the Word of God. Jesus said this in John 15, 7. He said this, if you remain in me and my words, what are my words? This is His Word. The Word of God right here. The word made flesh, which was in Christ, but he's talking about his word. My words remain in you. If you remain in me, my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish. Now, this, this, this sounds crazy, but ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. In other words, though, what Jesus is saying is this. Stay close to me. Listen to my words. Spend time with me. Know my heart. Know my will. Know the Bible. Is it, is it inside of you? Do you apply it to your life? Do, do, is it a part of your everyday life? It is, in your, is it in your mind? Is it in your heart? Is it, do, can you see it working its way into your, into your business? And, and do you live by its principles? Then if you do that, then your prayers will be effective and things will start to happen because you will be praying according to what you've read in Scripture and you will be praying according to my desires, my will, and my word. So if there are things in your life, here's the other thing, and this is a challenge to all of us, that if, if there are things in your life that you know, and God knows it, shouldn't be there, but you refuse to acknowledge it before God, you refuse it, it's, there's this, no, listen, I, God, I want all the good stuff, but I don't want you in this area of my life, I want to do what I want in this area, then I, I'm, I'm just, I'm here to tell you, your, your prayers will not be effective. 
God wants your prayers to transform your life. He wants your prayers to transform the world. But he first says, Jesus first said, remain in me. In other words, let my words be in you and you in me. In other words, let's be growing in our relationship. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It just means that you're acknowledging that you're in process. And then you can ask anything. And, and most of the time, and, and, and so many, uh, you know, some people that I know, there was this thing that's called the prosperity gospel. In other words, whatever you want from God, you just ring the bell like a heavenly bellboy, and he'll just bring you whatever you want. And then you're like, but, but I want it. And then he'll say, oh, I'm so sorry. I'll go get it for you then because you, you, you asked me for it. And so whatever you ask, I, I have to give it to you. Listen, that is not what this, this, this promise is talking about. This is not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about submitting to his word. Allowing his word to, to, to go in you and change you and transform you. And out of that transformation, you begin to ask and seek what his will is. And then prayer begins to be God's way of involving us into what he wants to do in our lives and in the world we live in. There is a dynamic connection between God's word and prayer. And I heard this a long time ago. And it's just a simple saying that says this. We should always pray with an open heart. And an open Bible. And that way we know we are praying what God wants us to pray. Because here's the reality. If, if you have a, so what do I pray about then? Okay, how do I pray? Well, do you have a family member or a friend who does not know Christ? Whose eternity is not secure? We know that the Bible says this in Second Peter. God is not willing for any to perish. But for all to come to repentance through Jesus Christ. Well, well will they get saved if I don't pray? I don't know. These, these are questions I don't know, but what I do know is that many times God doesn't put his plan into motion until his people pray. And I'll show you that in just a moment. Have you, here's, here's, the, here's the question to us today. Have you been having trouble in your marriage? So do you pray for a divorce or do you pray for your marriage to be healed? Well, here's, here's a simple solution. What does the word of God say? Jesus said in Mark 10, 9, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Now listen, I know marriages fail. And I know that people are sinful and that we are at the mercy of the goodness of our spouse. And if our spouse wants to go off the rails, that we can't control them. And, and I, I know this happens. But I also know that there are scriptural guidelines for divorce. And so what is, does, does this situation fall within the scriptural guidelines? But be very careful. You don't say, listen, I prayed about my marriage, and I felt like God says I can get a divorce. Okay, great. Listen, I, I, I've shared a story before. I was, <laughs> I was at a men's conference, a men's conference. And I was backstage. I, I was part of the, the ministry that was going on. And this guy who was serving said, you know, I'm just, I said, how you doing, man? I'm so-and-so. He said, I'm just so thankful. He said, you know, God's just given me a great breakthrough in my life. I said, well, what is it? He said, the Lord Lord gave me peace yesterday. I can, I can divorce my wife. And I said, oh, really? I said, well, oh, was there infidelity? No, there wasn't infidelity. Oh, is there, like, is there abuse that's going No, it's not abuse. Um, it, 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 why? Why, why are you well, I just feel like God's giving me peace. And I said, man, listen, that's not God. Whatever peace you felt, that's not God's peace. It, does she love you? Yeah, she loves me, but I just I think it's just time. I said, man, you are totally wrong, and what, what you're doing is a sin. That's not what God has for you. Why did I know that? Because I know what the Bible says. And so it's important for us, and that's just one instance. And listen, if, if, you've, had to, if, you've, if you've had to traverse through the pain of divorce, listen, God wants to heal you and touch you and strengthen you. Does, divorce is not the scarlet letter on your life that, that keeps you awake. God has a plan and a purpose for you, and he will work that out in, in your life. I guarantee he will. But here's the reality. That's just one instance. There were several things in our life. Here's the question. What does the Bible say about that? What does the Bible say? And so for us, over the next 21 days, as we, as a church, d d desire to let our lives be guided by this word, not by our preference, not by what we want, but what does the word say? The next 21 days can be an amazing time of examination for you, for your family, maybe a time of recommitment, a time of maybe first-time commitments, 
a time of reading the, the, the Bible, any amount, no matter what that is, but it's a commitment to you, talking to God, and let's draw near to God as a church. And let's ask God for things. And let's, let's begin to see breakthrough in areas of, of maybe healing in our bodies. In areas of, of breakthrough in our relationships. In areas of breakthrough in our finances. Areas of breakthrough in our city. All these different areas in our families, in our nation. Let's begin to do this together. Because we serve a God who hears us. And is waiting for us to in, come into alignment with, with what his will is. And seek him and pray with him about these things. So let's let our prayer be guided by the Bible, and let's, secondly, let your prayers be filled with humility. God doesn't expect perfection, but he does desire humility. Daniel, verse 3, he says this, so I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Daniel isn't concerned about maintaining his image. His response is not not to somehow somehow maintain his pride. Daniel takes off his beautiful robes, his jewelry. He puts on a gown of rough burlap and then he takes ashes and he covers his head, which was a custom to do at that time to demonstrate that you are grieving, to demonstrate that you are repentive. It was a cultural symbol of, of I, am, I am humbling myself. Now, God doesn't ask us to do this. God, listen, don't, you don't show up Wednesday with a, with a burlap sack and some ashes on your head. Okay? You don't have to do that. Because we can, by an act of humility, there are other ways that we can, we can do this. And so fasting is actually another way of humility. It enhances prayer when we refrain from eating certain foods or from a period of time or from a meal. It's just to be, it's to be done. Now, hear me for a moment. It's to be done with a prayer goal in mind, not a weight goal in mind, okay? So, Matt, watch your motives there. You're like, I'm fasting. You step on the scale every day. Ooh, yes, I'm fasting. Your motive is to set some time aside to die to your flesh and to seek God. As you give up food, it's, it's, God's going to remind you of specific burdens in your life. It teaches you to say no to your bodily appetites, which is a good exercise for all of us. And I, actually, I, maybe I'll give you this challenge. I think another challenge would be maybe here's over the next 21 days. What if you were to give up social media? I'm not saying you have to. I'm just, I'm just throwing some things out there. If we were to take the time we spent on social media and commit that to actually prayer and, and the word of God, our lives would drastically change. I'm not saying these things are bad. I'm just saying there are things that distract us and, and, and really detract from the impact that we can have and God wants to have through us. Anything that we give up, whatever it is that you sense God leading you to give up, Anything you give up and replace with prayer is an act of humility. And God sees that and God recognizes that. And we must, and, and for us, our act of humility is, is about us before God. It's not about us before everyone can see me. Say, look at me, look at me, I'm, I'm, I'm humble. That's not what God wants. It's, it's not. It's kind of like, uh, it's like the guy at church who, who he, he was, he, they recognized him one Sunday and because he was the most humble guy in the whole church. And so they called him forward and they gave him a pen that said humility. And so they presented it to him in, in a box. And, but the next Sunday they had to take it away because he wore it. That is a bad joke, but I just thought I'd throw it out there. <laughs> let, your, let your prayers be guided by the Bible and let them be filled with humility. Don't repeat that joke. It's terrible. Don't, don't do it. Number three, let your prayers, what does Daniel teach us? Let your prayers be intentional, be real, and be frequent. This is what Daniel teaches us. To be intentional, to be real, to be frequent. This is our goal over the next 21 days. We're going to pray intentionally. We're going we're to be real with God. We're not going to put any fake mask on. We're, we're not going to do the Christianese thing where you, you come to God and you know, your life's a wreck. God, I'm just so thankful my life is perfect. And God's like, I know your life isn't perfect. I know you're broken. I, I, I know all of this. He, just, he wants us to be real and he wants us to speak with him often. Daniel was incredibly intentional with his prayer. 
He gets right to the point. He said, I prayed to the Lord. He, he, was, he was facing problems in his life. And so this is really, this is about us inviting God into every area of our lives. Talk to him about what's going on. Be intentional about what's happening in your life. So maybe it's, God, I need your wisdom. God, I need your wisdom today. I, I'm, I don't know what to do. God, settle my emotion because they're all over the map today. I don't know what's going on. God, help me. I'm just, I'm, I, my attitude stinks. God, help me not to get upset. God, give me your grace today because, man, I need it. I just feel weak and vulnerable today. I just need you. God, let me. Can I feel your love today? Because, man, I, I just, I, this person hurt me or this person has, has rejected me or this person has said these heart, hurt, hurtful things to me. God, I need to know that you're with me. Or, God, I'm going into a meeting and I don't know what the heck I'm going to do. I need your wisdom. Or, or God... I'm going to have a conversation with someone. I'm, I'm anxious about it because I know it's going to require some, probably some tension in the room. And Lord, I just help me to handle this. Like just throughout your day, just begin to talk to God. Begin to have a relationship. Be frequently talking to Him. And here's the other thing. If, if, if you read the Word of God throughout the day, if you pray throughout the day, I, I guarantee you you're going to feel less stress. You're going to be more confident that God's with me. You're, you're going to have a greater sense that, that God's grace is following you. And I, I will have to say this. Listen, I, I've faced some difficult things. Many of you have faced more difficult things than I've faced. I, I've had to make decisions that were difficult. And I've faced some criticism along my journey of ministry. And, and I, but I'll, I'll tell you this. The most difficult battle that I've had in my life is consistently and every day taking the time to talk to my God and to read his word. I'm not going to sit up here and say, oh, that's easy for me. I'm a pastor, don't you know? That's not the reality. I'm a man just like you, just like anybody else. And you get busy, you get crazy, you start doing good things, but, but you got to be disciplined about reading. And I'll tell you this, the enemy wants to distract you. The enemy wants to, wants to kind of, he wants to make you become useless, actually, is what he wants. Because I'll tell you this, he will distract you. He will keep you from reading this book. He will try to keep you from talking to God. I, I promise you he will. Because he knows if he can keep you from engaging with God, he will render you totally and utterly useless. You will become weak. You will be overcome with fear. You will be suspicious about everybody and everything in your life. You will be anxious. You will be controlled by your mood. You will be controlled by criticism. If you win in this area of prayer and reading the word every day, I guarantee you, you will win in every other area of your life. I promise you. And that's a big deal. And that's a big statement, but I believe it. This is why this 21 days of prayer actually matters. Here's the deal. I dare you to do it. The greatest challenge that you're going to have over the next 21 days is to spend every day reading the Word and talking to God. But you can do it, and it will transform your life. Check in with God throughout the day. Talk to Him. Spend time with Him. Come here on Wednesdays and let's, let's pray for the needs of each other and for the needs of our nation, for the needs of the church. Spend time being intentional, being real with God. Connect with him frequently. It will change your life. Number four, in order to have effective, impactful prayers, you must let your prayers be honest. The main thing that we learn about Daniel's prayer is that he begins to confess Sins, his personal sins, and then corporate sins, specifically. Now, this is painful because it's really easy to just be, Lord, forgive me of all my sins. That's a lot easier. Lord, I'm sorry for those things I did today. But it takes real honesty to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my attitude. God, forgive me. I was angry. Forgive me. I, 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 had, I, had a, I had a thought that was not from you. And I dwelt on that thought. And I'm sorry. God, I, forgive me for being prideful. Forgive me for, for not admitting I was wrong. I know it was wrong. Lord, forgive me. And whatever that sin is, 
Whatever it is, confess it to God. Just be real with it. Be honest with him. He already knows what's going on. And so here's, here's what Daniel teaches us. He, he's, I want you to picture this before we read this. He begins, it's like, it's like we're listening in on his prayer closet. His, his, he's, he's probably kneeling. He's got a burlap sack over him. He's got ashes over his head. He's, he's been fasting. I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he wasn't weeping and begins to pour out his, God, his heart to his God and this verse. And it's like we put up a glass and we're listening to his, to his prayer closet. And this is what he says, starting in verse 4. Lord, the great and awesome God. All, all, immediately he comes in and he, he knows, I, God, I'm submitted to you who keeps your covenant. You're a faithful God with those who love him and keep his commandments. Listen, we have sinned and done wrong. Was, was Daniel the one worshiping false gods? No, he wasn't. Was Daniel the one who was, who was, who'd gone off the rails? No, he wasn't. But look at his words. We have sinned. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. There is this whole idea of we, we, we. And jump down to verse 13. He says this, just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come on us. Yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. Daniel is honest. He pours out his heart to God. He isn't wishing. He's praying. There is something. Lord, I need you. I need your help. God, for us, God, I need you. I need your help in my business. I need your help in my work. I need your help in my marriage. I need your help in my family. I need your help in, the, in this thing I'm going through. I need your help in this addiction I'm struggling with. I need your help. He pours out his heart. He's honest and he's real with a real God. And here's the question. When's the last time you had emotion when you prayed to God? Listen, I've had people say this to me all the time. And I understand there are different personalities, and, and your way of emotionally connecting to God is different than my way of emotionally connecting with God. I get that. But I, I've, I, I've heard this my whole ministry is this. Well, listen, God, God is not into emotional responses. Well, I, I understand what you're saying. But the reality is if God gave us emotions to be passionate, to love, to, 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 feel, to feel joy and to feel anger, and to, if we have these emotions, why did he give them to us? Everything we were given was to bring honor and glory to him. He gave us these emotions not to use on the rest of the world, but he gave these emotions so we can connect with him. And here you see Daniel. Using his emotion, God, I need you. We need you. We have sinned. I want to point out two things that Daniel is teaching us in this passage. One, he's teaching us to be honest about our personal sins. If you want to have effective prayer, if you want to, to, to have the boundary of your life and what God's doing move forward, you need to be honest about your personal sins. You need to be honest. Proverbs 28, 13 says this. He who conceals his sins does not prosper. But whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Be honest. God's not waiting to hit you over the head. He's waiting to forgive you and to show you mercy. That's what God is about. And when we think of sins, we, we think, you might be thinking, Jason, well, you know, I, I haven't robbed a bank. I, there hasn't been any embezzlement, and I haven't committed adultery. I, well, listen, I understand these are personal sins, but I want you to examine even further. Uh, what about sins of attitude, sins of pride? Maybe, maybe you never admit you're wrong. You never do. Or in order to get you to admit you're wrong, it's, it, is, it is nasty. And you do it in a way that some, somehow doesn't admit that you're actually wrong, but it sounds like you are. Or maybe you're really critical about everything and everybody in your life. Maybe you gossip. You're always talking about people. Maybe there's manipulation. And you try to, you try to just kind of, you say things to get people to do this, but really you're, it's, in, it's disingenuous because you're doing it just to manipulate the situation and manipulate people. Maybe you lie and you justify, well, it's okay if I lie. 
or we tell half-truths, or maybe you're controlling. These are sins of attitude. In other words, they're things that, that's not God's plan for you. He has a better way for you. Anyone who, who lies or gossips or manipulates or has these sins of attitude, you're not living the life that God has for you. You're living in a vicious cycle and a trap, and you feel like it's the life God has for you because you're able to control things, but really, that control is crippling to your life. God wants us to be honest about our personal sins. Lord, my attitude stinks. God, help me. God, forgive me. And he will show us mercy. This is how you have effective prayer. You're actually honest with God. Second thing that, that Daniel teaches us, be honest about our corporate sins. Corporate meaning, meaning if you're part of this church, there's, we are part of, we're corporate. We're part of the same family, same group. You're part of the city. You're a part of the city. You're corporately a part of the city, part of the state, a part of this nation. This is about taking responsibility. Look, look, at, look at what he says in verse 5. He says this, we have sinned and done wrong. We have sinned and done wrong. This is about you saying, what's wrong in my community? This is wrong? It's my fault. What's wrong in my, in my family? That's actually, it's not, it's, it's not someone else's fault. That's your fault. I know that sounds very like, oh, I don't like that. I, I, I want to blame somebody else for everything else. Here's the reality. According to Daniel, he says, we have sinned. If you want effective prayers, you, you must be, be honest about what's happening in your family, what's happening in your, in your home, what's happening in your city, what's happening in your church, what's happening in your state. Take responsibility by praying about these things. Daniel did not say, Lord, those crazy people over there have sinned. God, you see those folks? Yeah, see those? Yeah, they've sinned. Can you do something about them? Can you forgive them? He doesn't say that. He doesn't start blaming different groups with different agendas. He doesn't say, boy, if, if you know, if those, those Republicans, really. Oh, it's the Democrats. Oh, it's, you know, it's the, it's the president. Or it's the, it's the past administration of the president. Oh, it's the, it's, it's the new pastor. No, it's the old pastor. He, listen, thank God Christians don't do anything like that. <laughs> you don't hear any of that in his voice. Why? Because he's one of them. He's honest, and he says, we, we have failed, we have sinned. He didn't play the blame game. He took responsibility, and he prayed, and his prayers were effective. And the fifth thing he teaches us is to let your prayers be for his sake, meaning God's sake, not for my sake. Let your prayers be for his sake, not my sake. When's the last time your prayers were not filled with what you want in your life? There's nothing wrong with that. God invites us to pray for personal things. He hears us when we pray for personal things. But when's the last time your prayers were not saturated with everything that you wanted. Daniel says this in verse 16. He says, Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem. Jerusalem had, had been, it's, it had been being destroyed, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and the iniquities of the ancestors have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all those around us. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant for your sake. Not for my sake, not for what I want, for your sake. Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. This is a powerful and effective prayer. That Daniel is praying. God's sake, not our sake. Not what we want. Here, so here's the question. How come so many of our prayers are not answered? Well, James actually talks about this in James 4.3. He says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with what? Wrong motives. In other words, what about me? 
Welcome to the American dream. What about me? What about what I get? What about what I prosper? Listen, I'll, I'll pray for it, but if, can I get something from it? You ask with wrong motives that you may. Why? Because if you got what you were praying for, you would spend what you get on yourself, on your pleasures. This is, this is how we have effective prayers. Pray about his sake, not our sake. So how does God respond to this kind of prayer? So can, does God, is this really the key to unlocking the, the, the prosperity of God for our lives? I really believe it is. As we follow this model of Daniel, Daniel is praying. And while Daniel's praying, this is God's response to Daniel's prayer. Here we go. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin, again he's owning it, the sin of my people, Israel, and making my request to the Lord, my God, for his holy hill. While I was still in prayer, Gabriel, now Gabriel's a big deal. He's one of the, he's, he's, he's one of the, the, uh, the, the, the archangels. So you have Gabriel, Michael, and Lucifer. And Lucifer went his own way, and Lucifer took, took with him, and he was cast down to heaven. The, the angels who we know, he is, he's evil. So now you have who are left, who are doing the, the works of God. You have Gabriel. Which Gabriel shows up around Christmas time. He talks to Mary. He says, hey, Mary, guess what? You're going to have a baby. So Gabriel shows up to Daniel. The man I had seen in the earlier vision came to me in a swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. Look at what he said, what Gabriel says. As soon as you began to pray, as soon as you began to pray. A word went out, which I've come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. God answers him while he's praying. He answers him as he's praying through the word of God. He answers him as he's praying with humility. He answers him as he's praying fre frequently and with being real and intent. He answers him as he's, as he's going through all of these things. God answers him, and he shows up. He hears prayers like Daniel's. He will hear your prayers and move on your behalf when you have a spirit and a heart like Daniel. I know you might be thinking, Jesse, I'm not Daniel. Well, listen, I'm not either. But I do know this, that because of God's son, Jesus Christ, that if we call upon his name, if we put our trust in him, scripture says that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So if we are praying according to the will of God and not our will, God will begin to move things ahead. The Bible says as though for those who have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that they can come into God's throne room of grace with confidence so that they can receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Do you have needs in your life? Does our nation have needs? Does our state have needs? Absolutely it does. And then it says this, if we seek, we will find. This is our promise. This is what God has for you and I over the next 21 days and for the rest of the year. But here's the deal. This is God's promise to our prayers. I want you to hear this. God's promise to our prayers. So if we pray this way, if we follow this model, if we gather here on Wednesdays, if we pray throughout the day, as we read his word, this is God's promise out of 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. If, everyone say if, if, my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Look at this. Seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. My people, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and is saved as part of the my people. If my people who will seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. You mean that, that God's people can have wicked ways? Yes, we can. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. I will heal their land. For 21 days... My friends, just 21 days, we're going to claim this promise. We're going to claim it for your personal. Do you have personal land? Not like land, but land of your life that needs healed? Does your mind need to be healed? Does your heart need to be healed? Does your, do your emotions need to be healed? Does your marriage need to be healed? Do you, does your family need to be healed? Does your body need to be healed? Do, do, do you need your healing for your, for your fears? Do you need healing from your addictions? Listen, this promise is your promise. I, God says, I will heal your land. We have corporate land. 
and our nation and our state and our city that need to be healed. Our nation needs healing. Our state needs healing. People do not know God. And there is no healing unless people know God. One of the main ways that God's going to bring healing to our city and our nation is that people begin to know God. That's why our first purpose as a church is that we would know God. Because nothing else happens. You don't find freedom. You don't discover purpose. You will never make a difference unless you first know God. You can make an impact, but you won't make a difference. Here's the deal. We need revival in America. We do. We hear the word, oh, God, bring us revival, but do it like you did back in 1973. No, listen, we need revival right now in 2018 is what we need. We need it now. We need it now. So what's the answer? And again, this is a straightforward message to us today as the core of this church. What's the answer to the sexual immorality in our world? Is it for us to sit back and say, oh, those people, those people. No, the reality is coming to grips that sexual morality is probably, it's permeated through our, through our own church, through our own people. What's the answer to the pornography epidemic? That the ripple effect is ruining lives over and over and over. What's the answer to the promiscuity in our culture? Oh, it's them, it's those people. What's the answer to the confusion about what it means to, to, to be a, a man or a woman? Oh, it's those people over there. There are those people over there. Here's the answer. Jesus is the answer. Revival is the answer. What's the answer to violence and to crime? Jesus is the answer. What's the answer to the soaring drug problem in our city and our kids who are, who are moving from, from, from all types of things, from marijuana to the next one, to, to Xanax, to now heroin, to the opioid? All, what's the answer to all of this? Listen, yes, there are programs and there are things that we need, but the real answer of the heart of the issue is Jesus Christ is the answer. Revival is the answer. So I'm going to say something that maybe is going to put you off. The problem is not the pornographer. The problem is not the different groups pushing different agendas. Now the church likes to blame everybody. The problem is not the drug pusher. God never said anything. I want you to hear me. About those people needing to repent to heal the land. He said this, if what? Who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. If my people do this, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. I wonder if the hindrance to the revival that we all want is because we're waiting for everyone else to change and we are refusing to change. I wonder if we were to take on the spirit of Daniel and say, Lord, I'm sorry. We've sinned. I've sinned. I wonder if the, the answer to our family problems is It's not society. It's that we haven't said, Lord, I'm sorry. I want to turn from my wicked ways. This is is contrary to to the pride in all of our lives. I'm not going to confess to something I didn't do. Did Daniel do it? He did. And what did God do while he was praying? angel showed up and said I heard you the moment you started praying I responded to you now I'm going to come to your aid if my people will do these things I will heal their land what do you need healing from we have an open invitation to change our world we have an open invitation to change our family. We have an open invitation to change our personal lives. We have an open invitation to transform the place where we live. We have an open invitation to transform my workplace. We have an open invitation to change. How do we do it? We pray. 
who is going to be with me to pray for 21 days for 2018? Who's going to be with me? 21 days to heal us because he's the God who cares. He loves you. He, he adores you. He, he has more for you than what you can imagine. He's going to plan for you. He's placed you in the exact spot that you are for a purpose and a reason because he wants to use you. He wants to move things forward. He wants to heal you. He wants to heal the land which you stand. He wants to heal those who are standing on the land. He wants to do an amazing work in your life. And here's the question. Is your future worth 21 days of prayer and fasting? Is it worth it? Absolutely it's worth it. That's why I want to ask you to write some prayer requests down. Begin to believe that God has something for you. That you're not in a hopeless situation. You're in a hopeful situation because God is in the middle of your prayer. You're you're not facing impossibilities. Yeah, with you it's impossible. But I know a scripture verse that says, with man it's impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. All things are possible. And that's what we have to believe. Yeah, well that takes faith, Jason. Yes, it does. Yeah, but we got so much stuff staring us in the face. I know it. But God's looking for a group of people who will come together, not with their needs in mind, but with His desires, His will, His purpose. And in the midst of that, you begin to get healing in your own life, in your own marriage, in your own mind, in your own emotions, because we're honest with Him. God wants every single one of us to find restoration and to find healing. And you'll never do it unless you first know God and find Him. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.